4: to help you improve your mindset your leadership and your team performance to me our mindset is the next frontier so let's find out why so here it is pandamental the final podcast episode of 2020 we reflect on some of the powerful psychological skills that we've developed through this disruptive year
2: in any organization want to be able to identify the need for change before it becomes uh, obvious.
3: The more negative I became on the court the more down the spiral you go and now I realize that there are so many techniques out there and so many other ways to have cope with it.
1: All of us experience setback at one point or another in our lives. Optimistic people have learned not so much to focus on mistakes that they might have made which keeps us locked into the past, but instead to focus on lessons that they've learned from those um, disappointing experiences or cases of misjudgment. So they extract the value from the experience and are determined to take it into the future.
0: All of our cultural references are for the task part of our brain, and we have very little uh, cultural or personal awareness about the necessity of a recharge.
4: Well, we're nearly at the end of what can only be described as a stinker of a year. It's been the first global pandemic that many of us have witnessed and the economic, health and social impact has been absolutely huge. I really hope it's the last one we ever see as well. On top of those factors, there's been the hidden cost that you can't really quantify in terms of dollars or lines on a graph. And that's the mental impact. That's why today's episode is Pandamental mental a made-up word that helps us to frame on all the chaos that's gone on. The Christmas break is almost upon us, and I hope you're looking forward to taking a break as much as I am. I've been thrilled to see that the show in recent days has been at number two in the Apple charts for management in the UK. I've mentioned a few times that recording a podcast is really different to the webinars and conference speeches that I'm used to giving because you just never get a chance to see the reaction. But to see it at number two in the chart shows that we're making an impact and really helping people, which is fantastic. We've leapfrogged some huge commercial engines like Harvard and Professor Adam Grant's show, and even the Jocko podcast, which is huge in the US. So thanks so much for joining this community. And I'm genuinely thrilled that the content's helping you to make sense of all the challenges of 2020. I'm gonna give you more clarity and confidence to step into 2021 to have a completely different year. We also got time for a couple of quick shout outs from our listeners who've connected with me on LinkedIn, Twitter or email at hello at SportingEdge.com. We had the great Shane Warren say, congrats on the chart position, mate. Great listen. Rohan Kalicharan, I used to play cricket with as a youngster uh, from a great cricketing family. Great content, Snapey. I always listen on my long Sunday runs. Well, great to reconnect with you, Rohan. Glad to hear you listening. Phil Jupp, uh, we got started listening to the podcast in the usual laddie ways with the Peter Crouch and Joe Marler show, but really enjoyed Jeremy Snape's session on as a guest on Joe Marler's podcast and would highly recommend this for anyone looking for an edge in their performance and mindset. And I know Phil's actually joined our members club as well, so I know you're enjoying that content as well, so thanks so much. If you haven't listened to that Joe Marler show where I was the guest, a Role Reversal, Then uh, go and listen. And he also interviewed Michelle Rue, the great chef um, in the last week. So some really interesting stories. He also got me to talk him through how I coached him through those red mist moments on the rugby field. So if you enjoy rugby and psychology, then, uh, you know, great there. Paul Snape also sent in a message, not a relative, actually, but he said a very insightful podcast from another Snape. So thanks, Paul, for that. I only hope that you get the same smirks from hotel receptionists that I do when I check in. And they always ask me, am I related to Severus? And I have to tell them that's my dog's name, which they really enjoy. We've got Gavin Donaldson from KPMG saying, uh, Sporting Edge, you've got some fantastic products, uh, amazing contributors from sport, the arts, military and beyond. Jeremy's done really well to work relentlessly to Stay relevant and great digital business. So worthy of a Christmas number one slot. I absolutely agree, Gavin. Thank you so much for that. And Shubha Padman from Santander. Thanks so much. I know you've been uh, sharing the podcast internally and with your external network on LinkedIn. And then we got good lucks from Robbie Stockdale from the footballing world, John Courtney, Ed Kessler and a boom from James Scrimshaw. So you're obviously down with the kids, James. Thanks very much. And Georgina said, thanks uh, so much for the podcast since becoming a member. I've also been watching all the video clips, which are great. I listen to the podcast when I'm walking in my hills, and I think you're in the Peak District, Georgina, so great that you own those hills as well. When I started this, I had no idea, genuinely, that we'd get to tens of thousands of listeners in 26 countries, from Laos to Luxembourg and from Manila to Melbourne, so I would really just want to take this opportunity to thank you for coming with me on this journey this year. I've not really known what I'm doing one week to the next, to be honest, but I've tried to keep the content relevant to what people are emailing uh, into me and and the sort of comments and and client conversations that I'm having with my corporate and sporting networks. I really hope you found the content useful, whether it's on your mindset, whether it's on your team motivation or whether it's on leadership skills as we start to look forward to the future. But this is going to be the last episode before the Christmas break. So in the immortal words of Mariah Carey, all I want for Christmas is a five-star rating and a review from you. Uh, It would be incredible to have uh, this underdog story come true. I know as I record this, we're currently at number two in the UK chart. So please do subscribe. Please do leave a review. I don't know quite how this algorithm works, and we've got some pretty big players at the top of the charts. But if we could get to number one, that would be absolutely incredible. But we can't do that without your thumb on the Apple five-star review so please do. Don't buy me too many expensive presents. All all I want is that click to get us up to number one. That would be fantastic. So please do that today when you leave the podcast at any point. I was wondering about the kind of content that would be most useful in terms of helping you. And we start to explore some of the leadership content as we get into 2021, as we start to think about how we can accelerate out of the swamps that 2020 brought and set your business up for success. But before that, I thought in this episode, Pandamental, we should look at the psychological lessons that 2020 has brought into focus. The first one is that change is all around us. And when we have a degree of success and stability, we can very often take things for granted. We rely on old habits, inherited thinking and outdated assumptions, which is fine when things are going well, but it's not great when the turbulence kicks in. Best-selling author and director of Brentford and FC Michelin in Denmark, Rasmus Ankersen, explains this with a very colorful analogy.
2: In Any organization um, wanna be able to identify the need for change before it becomes uh, obvious. You know, um, there is a there is a great metaphor to describe this. It's um, I don't know if the if the metaphor is actually true, but uh, it's it's a it's a, it's, a, um, it's a great story, and I think it 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 makes people reflect. So it's about this what's called the boiling frog problem. So basically, if you put a frog into uh, boiling hot water, it will immediately jump out to save its life. But if you put a frog into cold water and you heat the water gradually. The frog won't perceive the danger and eventually it will be cooked to death. So it, it kind of describes um, why successful organizations often hesitate to change until it's too late, because they don't notice gradual changes in the environment. Like one customer leaving, we deal with it tomorrow, you know, uh, slowly slipping standards. One day it blows up the whole thing and at the time it feels like a big shock, but it started a long time ago with slowly slipping standards. So. So, if it ain't broke, consider breaking. It means that you need to change before the market forces you to change. If you don't pick up these signals, that the early warning signs that someone something is going in the wrong direction, we're losing relevancy. We, you know, our success is about to expire. You know, customers want something else. If you don't pick that up early, it's too late because you end up with a burning platform, and it's already too late. So, if it ain't broke, consider breaking. It means that. To stay relevant, you need to change and innovate from a position of strength, not from a position of weakness. Strength, not from a position of weakness.
4: So no frogs were hurt during the making of this podcast, I can guarantee it, but it's a great analogy. And high performers scan the environment to check out that they're in the right place, on the right path, and finding a new way to win. They can sniff out... You know a change they can see new trends and they act very quickly before they lose their advantage as our businesses become more successful the creativity and fresh ideas crystallize and harden and we can lose some of that all-important agility we get locked in but 2020 has definitely taught us that we need to stay aware of the changes in our customer base in our marketplace So that our business can move to a new position of strength. I think the second thing that we've all experienced in that chronic uncertainty and change, that it can be incredibly debilitating. Even for someone who's an optimist, I've had my heart broken many times this year and my resolve tested to the limits. So I think we've got to remember that this comes at a cost to our energy and our focus At a time when we felt under pressure to make huge strategic decisions about our careers or our businesses, we've also felt depleted like we're running on fumes. This is explained by American psychiatrist and high performance expert at the Toronto Blue Jays, Dr. Deera Harris
0: if you're thinking about having a lot of mental capacity to solve problems, which is a very intense part of brain activity, now imagine that you're taking up a bunch of it with background things that bubble up when you don't want them to, right? So part of it is stress drains the total mental energy, and then it becomes intrusive. It comes up when you don't want it to, right? So it's a distractor as well. So tons of background activity, coming in when you don't need it to. And then once it takes over, we know that it triggers the fear systems, which then make you myopic and make you see less options. So it's really a very corrosive piece because it functions at each level, right? Takes over a ton of your background energy, intrudes when you don't want it to, and then robs your focus and makes you go back to it.
4: So we get this compound effect of that background noise, that fear of what's coming, chipping away at us at exactly the same time that we're trying to process some of the biggest decisions of our career, whether it's the furlough scheme, developing new products, renegotiating leases or big partnership discussions with our you know, network. So some of this is inevitable, but... It's all the more important that we look after our well-being and energy levels during this time. Our brain is such a hungry organ. It weighs under 5% of our body weight but consumes around 20% of our blood glucose. So thinking can be a very energy-draining activity. So if you're an entrepreneur who's been wrestling about how to future-proof your business or you're in the hospitality industry and you're worrying about how to keep your business afloat, Don't be too hard on yourself. You've just maxed out your brain trying to weigh up the various options. So when we take a long term view, we need to make sure that we're recovering and that we're focusing on our well-being, our activity, our exercise levels and our sleep to make sure that we can rebalance the strain that's been taken out of our system during these challenging periods. But we also need an ability to reframe this spiral in the moment when that self-doubt and that pressure starts to rise because that's a critical moment for us in our performance. And this insight from former British number one tennis star and now successful commentator Annabelle Croft sees her reflecting on those moments in matches where she beat herself up and the inevitable impact that had on her mood and her performance.
3: Yes, yeah, it's really weird when you look back at matches because I said matches are so emotional, and, um, and it's, it's the disappointment in yourself that you're not coping with, with what's going on in a match. And it's when pressure situations occur during the course of a match, which is many, many times in a tennis match, it's the disappointment in yourself that it's something just went, yeah, that you failed or you didn't, didn't rise up to the challenge. You kind of dug deeper into a negative space. And the more negative I became on the court, the more down the spiral you go. And now I realise that there are so many techniques out there and so many other ways to have coped with it, because I've spoken to different people who said, oh, what a shame I didn't work with you then, because there are ways that we could have used your time effectively on the court. Because in between points in a tennis match, there's a lot of time that you can think in a different way and you can, um, yeah, use that time effectively.
4: So this inner game to me is the most important one. I think it's remarkable that our own self-talk is the biggest differentiator between our success and our failure, but we never get taught how to think more healthily and more productively. I'm not suggesting we walk around with rose-tinted glasses glued to our faces, and I've seen loads of, you know, those social media posts recently that's got a massive sort of speedboat on it, and you just have to click to affirm that this is coming your way. I'm sorry, that's bollocks. Um, thinking positively is not enough. But what we do need to do is to start thinking about our thinking. When a setback happens, it's almost automatic for many of us to say, oh, that's not good. Oh, what's everyone going to say? Oh, this is going to be a massive failure. Oh, I'm going to get humiliated. I'm never going to do this again. Oh, I'm rubbish at these things. And we can hear how from one single event, we've had this cascade or this, sort of spiral of thinking that's gone downhill pretty quickly but no one forces us to say that in our head no one forces us to think that it's just our inner critic trying to keep us safe and take us back to the shadows so that we don't get embarrassed or judged in that social environment but we need to think about our thinking because when we become aware of our self-talk and our thoughts then we've got much more of a chance of being able to control it And that's definitely one of the key steps to getting a stronger mindset. So when our thinking spirals, our physiology starts to change, our shoulders start to slump and we drop our heads down and our body then sends a signal back to say, oh, I feel a bit sad here. And it sends a signal back to the brain, you know, and and that says, oh, yeah, I'm not surprised. You've just made a massive mistake. You know, keep slumping and keep sort of cowering away. And this link between our brain and our body just keeps reinforcing to the point where we choke under pressure or we, you know, remove ourselves from that situation. So we can definitely lose our optimism and courage and, and take a lot less risks when we when we're stuck in that quicksand and we start to spiral down. So I think this pandamental year has forced us down that spiral many times. I've definitely felt like that. But that ability to say, hang on a minute. I shouldn't jump to that next stage. You know, I've made a mistake, but it's not the end of the world. It could be worse. Remember, I've got those strengths. Remember to go back to basics. Remember to think about what what I've done really well in the last few weeks. I can recover this or I can change and do something different. That's enough. Just don't follow that path all the way down to the bottom, that spiral. At some point, we've got to stop the spiral and start to build ourselves back up. So for me, that winning mindset is winning against that sort of parallel person in our lives. The, you know, one of us gets up early on the alarm, maybe does a bit of exercise, attacks our priorities, eats healthily, has a productive day, works well with other people. And the other version wants to press snooze on the alarm, gets up a bit late, doesn't exercise, you know, skips breakfast doesn't attack our priorities. We've got worse conversations going on in our team. We don't, you know, get the things done that we want to and get really frustrated throughout the day. So that self-talk has the key really to me to keep us on track through the day and make sure that we can really transform those moments. And when we transform those moments in our day and make the right choices more often, then we start to develop those high performance habits that make us have great days that we're incredibly proud of. And those days give us the energy to tackle the rest of the week. So I really think it's those micro moments and that ability to reframe our thinking that can be transformational in our lives. And, you know, so many of you will have experienced this downward spiral in your thinking over the last few months. But my challenge to you over the Christmas period is to have some arguments. Now, you might say, well, hang on a minute, my mother-in-law isn't coming for Christmas this year. But I mean, argue with that negative critic, the one that's in your head, forget the mother-in-law, because he or she doesn't have any idea what 2021 holds. So tell them to widen their neck in and stop giving you all that sort of negative barrage and actually try and think more rationally, think more objectively and let your sort of rational self take the lead as you start to think about what's possible for you in 2021. We don't want somebody being negative and trying to keep us safe. We need to be courageous and and bold as we start to move out of this challenging year. So I'm not trying to give you, you know, unrealistic tasks here. Uh, I think it's been an impossible time to get everything right. And I think another key thing is that we reflect on the mistakes that we've made as well. One of the insights from our members library made me think about this the other day. Uh, We've touched on the growth mindset a lot over the last few months as a key driver of resilience and mental health. But this analogy from Dominic Aldis gives us a great contrast. Dominic's one of the world top orchestra conductors, but he's also a jazz musician. And they both have a very different tolerance and culture around mistakes as we now hear.
5: Well, to make a mistake in an orchestra, again, it depends a little bit on which instrument you're playing. If you're in the middle of the cellos and you play a wrong note, probably people aren't going to notice too much. But if you are the trumpet player and you come in a bar early or a bar late, everybody's going to know. So that's uh, hugely pressured. So certainly, What we're trying to do within an orchestra is to minimize the risk of making mistakes. And you do that through practice. Practice, preparation, concentration, focus. And you become very, very good at that and very expert. Mistakes within jazz, I think of in two ways. One thing is just a general attitude of curiosity as to what might emerge. So when things go wrong, you don't think, oh, I made a mistake. But you think, oh, how interesting, wonder why I played that, where might that take me? However there are mistakes I think around carelessness rather than trying to do something new. And for me that would be in jazz, if I started playing the wrong song <laughs> or I went into the wrong key or something like that, that would be sort of careless in a way, it means I'm not really paying attention. If I'm trying to play something really way out, different, and just seeing where it goes, and it doesn't quite work out as I expected, then I think that's great. Miles Davis very famously said, if there are no mistakes, it's a mistake.
4: So maybe if you didn't make any mistakes in 2020, then that was a mistake in itself. Let this be the year that we all celebrate our mistakes and most importantly, learn from them. We need to fail forwards towards a better product, a better set of relationships, a better business and a better mindset. That should be our quest. So don't consider everything you do as having to be as perfect as an orchestra. Pretend you're playing jazz, where one false note isn't the end of the world. It just allows you to swing around into a new arc or find a way back to the rhythm that you had in your mind in the first place. So let's be more playful. Let's be less of a perfectionist as we start to look forward into the new year. So in contrast with my advice a few moments ago, where I was encouraging you to argue with your inner critic, my next point is to become more relaxed around our mistakes. As we now learn from Dr. Martin Newman, a world-class thinker and leader in the area of emotional intelligence, when we reframe setbacks into something useful, They can give us energy rather than draining us of our energy as we ruminate and worry about what could have been.
1: I think one of the great uh, contributions that emotional intelligence has made uh, in elite sport um, and in a business environment is to underpin the value of the emotions and the role they play in building mental toughness and resilience. It's, It's fundamentally built on on two skills. One is self-liking, the degree to which I value myself as a human being, and then competence, a degree to which I feel that I have the capacity to add value and take charge of and control my environment. And these things go really to the core of a person's psychology. One of the decisions you've got to make, I think, once you evaluate yourself uh, in terms of emotional intelligence is when whatever you find inside yourself is to learn to value it and realise that uh, it's important that you accept yourself for where you are. That's one of the bedrocks of resilience, that you're not trying to um, be somebody you're not or trying to respond to some sort of external reference point, but you're very grounded in an internal reference point. And that's a very difficult decision to make. The second thing is the skill of optimism. And optimism, far from being a kind of always look on the bright side of life, is a deep mental toughness that takes you back in the face of setback. And it's built around the, some, some very practical skills that all of us experience setback at one point or another in our lives. Optimistic people have learnt not so much to focus on mistakes that they might have made, which keeps us locked into the past, but instead to focus on lessons that they've learned from those um, disappointing experiences or cases of misjudgment. So they extract the value from the experience and are determined to take it into the future. They learn to focus on the benefits of their experience uh, rather than the negative emotions associated with it, so people lose their jobs in a global financial crisis, and I can't tell you how many people over time have told me, you know, that was one of the best things that happened to me. Not at the time, it was a painful moment, but I always wanted to take a different direction. And that catalyst uh, unlocked in me the courage to have to do that. Um, And then thirdly, we all rock in the corner with the distressing emotions around setback. And the thing about optimists is they don't stay there as long. They've learned very quickly to come out of that. Position and refocus on the task that needs to be performed in order to move the situation forward and change their response. And so, brick by brick, I think these emotional competencies of self confidence, of valuing the self, of of celebrating competence, of focusing on benefits, of learning to uh, extract the the valuable lesson and focusing on the tasks combine to give a person a mental capacity to. Go back and back and back in the face of life setbacks and disappointments, ultimately to achieve the objective that they've set themselves. um, uh, You know, uh, as the most valuable objective uh, of their lives. So the message
4: is clear. Let's extract the lessons from this year, whether we won or lost, to make sure we can be more flexible and more resilient heading into the new year. We're also desperate for the clocks to flick over on the first of the first 2021. But we also shouldn't expect the clouds to part and cherubs to descend, bearing beers and chocolate. Well, that's how my brain works anyway. We should expect that it's going to be really tough ahead. And the truth is that, you know, we're going to have a tough time uh, and we should be thankful that we've just had a great lesson in how to adapt and how to endure. And if you find yourself in a position that you don't like you know, at the beginning of 2021, then we have to accept that this is our new starting point. There's nothing we can do about the past and we need to work our way up from here. And as Martin said, not many people that experience the redundancies of the 2008 crash would have, um, you know, been happy with that situation in the short term. But, you know, a few years on, they're absolutely fulfilled and they've got new lives, maybe set up their own business. So maybe this 2020 pressure um, allows us to pivot in the way we needed. I know for us as a business at Sporting Edge, I was usually so busy flying around the world to speak at various conferences that we never quite got to the point where we could invest the time we needed to create a digital solution for all the teachers, coaches, execs and entrepreneurs that wanted access to our digital content themselves. But Now we've been able to do that, which I think will be transformational for them as individuals and also for us as a company. So if you do want to learn more about our Members Club, then please do come and have a look at SportingEdge.com forward slash membership. I think you'll be absolutely ecstatic when you log in and see that there are over 600 of these two minute insights. You can watch the videos for yourself. Um, and you can start your meetings in 2021 uh, with some legendary new analogies. You can play these videos across Teams or Zoom uh, and inspire your business network. I'll also be sending in some weekly inspiration with short videos, with which we're calling micro lessons. And we have a great debate across the hundreds of people that have already joined the members club in the last couple of weeks. So please do come in. We're giving a half price discount on that first month because you've been loyal listeners to the podcast. So if you come to the shopping cart and enter podcast 50 with no spaces, you should get half price access to that first month. And it's incredibly flexible. You can cancel at any time. And uh, if you're listening to this before Wednesday, Then we have a a great Q&A with England rugby legend Martin Corrie. So he's going to talk about his rugby career, his mindset, his leadership with England and the British Lions and also his second career in technology. So that should be great. So this mix of access to digital content and, you know, these live events is really at the core of Sporting Edge. So I would love you to come and see more about the Members Club at SportingEdge.com. So let's look forward to the new year and the possibilities that lie ahead. But before we put 2020 to bed, I just wanted to raise one last high performance lesson. How many of us have considered the emotional and physical toll that 2020 has had and then tried to rebalance that in our recovery? When we work hard, we should recover just as hard. And this insight from Deera Harris again, explains why we need to rethink our view on the importance of sleep.
0: I think that sleep is definitely underrated because as a society, we value the forward aspects of progress, right? We have almost no conceptualizations of how to recharge. And sleep is a recharge task. So we do movies of superheroes that are constantly, you know, breaking down buildings, all of our cultural references, are for the task part of our brain, and we have very little uh, cultural or personal awareness about the necessity of a recharge, but really they're equivalent. Um, they need the place to organize all of the memories, to go ahead and take care of all the cellular housekeeping that you need to do to be optimally performing. But all we talk about is optimal performance.
4: So there we are, a tiring and challenging year, but hopefully some new lessons, some new reference points and a chance to start again after the Christmas break. I'll be next to the log fire with a glass of red wine wishing you all a wonderful Christmas, whether it's with loved ones face to face or even if you're crunching sprouts and carving the turkey across a Zoom screen. Thank you so much for listening to each of the episodes this year. If you're new to the show, do track back and listen to the previous episodes. We've heard from around 50 experts who've all had over 20 years at the top of their game. So there's a thousand years of wisdom here for us all to reflect on. Remember please do leave a review and a rating. Let's get this show to number one so that more people can benefit from our experts' insights in how to develop a great mindset, brilliant leadership, and create high-performing teams. And if you'd like to motivate your team next year, then please do come to sportingedge.com and have a look at the membership. You can use Podcast 50 as your discount code and you'll have access to hundreds of amazing strategies to make 2021 the best year you've had so far so until then thanks so much for everything you've done to support the podcast this year thanks for sharing it on your social channels please spread the word rest and reflect well and we'll come back happier healthier and stronger in the new year have a great break
1: thanks for listening to this episode of inside the mind of champions Connect with Jeremy's LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram links in today's show notes to receive the latest insights from his work. If you'd like to get access to Sporting Edge's digital library or book Jeremy for a conference speech or webinar, then please visit www.sportingedge.com or email hello at sportingedge.com.